Thanks, Steve. Um, it's it's always a pleasure to see Steve. Um, as he said, we um, we have so much in common, but um, physical appearance is not one of them. But um, but it's. It, I, I was actually thinking about this. We've we've only really met, caught up face to face physically, maybe about ten times, and yet. Whenever, whenever I do, um, whenever we do, at least for me, um, I'm really encouraged. Um, I really have a wonderful time. There's so much to talk about, so much to share. And, and I, I genuinely appreciate your friendship and, and your love as a brother in Christ. And so thank you, Steve. And thank you for this opportunity that I could have to, to preach to you. Um, I, I, I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know, whenever you go to a church and you speak, um, every church is the same. Front row is always empty. But this is next level. <laughs> so, this is next level. I, I feel like I need to maybe stand on the table or something. But, but, um, but hopefully you can hear. Um, it's, it's always distracting when it's an outdoor service as well. There's this stuff going on, you know, birds flying around and, and all that sort of stuff. But I pray, I pray that as we share God's word, that you would be encouraged by his word and that the spirit would hold us and speak to us and keep us attentive as well. And so let's dive into this. Let's dive into this passage. Let's ask God to help us. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we do commit our time to you. As your word is unpacked, by your spirit, would you speak to our hearts? And Lord, as we sit here in worship, would we see the glory and the magnificence and the wonder of you such that we commit ourselves to you all the more? And we do confess that there's much that would distract us. The noise of the traffic, um, the cold breeze, just simply being outside and indeed a random accent of the guy who's preaching. But Lord, through all that, would you break through all that and would you plant in our hearts the seeds of your great truth so that we would live in commitment to you, that we would live in joy because of all that you've done for us in Christ Jesus. And in his mighty name, we pray. Amen. Now, as we look at this passage, I don't know how, um, I don't know how familiar you are with Second Chronicles, and I don't know how familiar you are with Hezekiah. Um, so let me just set the scene. Now, Hezekiah, in this passage, he's the king of Judah in the south. Now, Israel, which was one nation, after Solomon splits, it splits into two nations. Israel in the north, they have ten tribes, and Judah in the south, they have two tribes. And Judah in the south, that, that's where Jerusalem is. And as time goes on, Israel in the north and Judah in the south, there's an increasing enmity between the two. So they're ethnically one people, but they're at war. You know, they don't like each other. And, and that's, that's the situation, the historical situation, as, as we get to this guy called Hezekiah. Now, he's a new king. He's a young king. And he's just, come to the, he's just come to the throne. And Hezekiah, as the king of the south, what he's doing is, now that he's king, he wants to establish the kingdom of God in his day. Now, if we modernize it, if we contextualize it a bit, what he's trying to do is he's trying to build the church. He's trying to build the church. But to build the church, to establish the kingdom of God in his day, 
we see in our passage that there are certain things that he prized and he treasured that he, that he was convinced was absolutely essential. They were non-negotiables. They had to be committed to. They had to be committed to in order to grow, in order to, to build the kingdom of God. And so what that says to us is that if you're a Christian, if you're someone who's been redeemed by the completed work of Jesus on the cross, if that is you, if that is you, then you are a part of the kingdom of God. And so these commitments that we see in Hezekiah ought to be our commitments. They ought to be your commitments. And through this passage then, Hezekiah shows remarkable wisdom because as we go through these commitments, there's, there's a lot of them. These, this isn't an exhaustive list. But in this passage, there are two. Two commitments that we see in Hezekiah. But they're two commitments which are really, really, really difficult to hold together. And Hezekiah shows incredible wisdom because he shows how, he, how we can commit to these things, these things which are so often hard to keep together. Hard to keep together, but extremely important to keep together. And so I'd like to look at two things this morning, two things that Hezekiah committed to in this passage. And it's there in your outline, in your, in your bulletins, I believe. But the first thing that, that Hezekiah committed to he committed to living the truth. Now, the first, first then, is the commitment to the Word of God. Now, as I say this, I, I need you to understand that, that this isn't going to be you know, remarkably new stuff. There's a danger at which you, you hear what I'm saying and you go, eh, you've got an interesting accent. I like, I like listening to it, but what you're saying is nothing new to me. Yeah, I'll just dismiss it. But I want you to understand that just because we know something, it doesn't mean that we've committed to it. Just because we've heard something, it doesn't mean that we've really embraced it. And these things that we see Hezekiah committing to are things that we hear regularly in the life of the church. You, you, you would have heard it so many times, and yet we dismiss them. We forget about them. We veer away from them. And so I want us to, to commit to these things and remind ourselves of these things. And the first one is the commitment to the Word of God. What this means is that Hezekiah knew that when all was said and done, at the end of the day, he had to obey what God commanded. It wasn't a negotiable. It wasn't an option. What God commanded was something that he had to, rem had to submit to. And we see that in verse 5. In verse 5, it says that the reason Hezekiah wanted to celebrate the Passover was, and it's there at the end of verse 5, that they had not kept it, that is the Passover. They had not kept the Passover as often as prescribed. Now, to put it another way, God's word had clearly commanded Israel to observe the Passover, to, to hold it in an ongoing way, in an annual way. But unfortunately, Israel as a whole, and Judah as well, for, for many generations at this point, for many years at this point, they'd abandoned it. They'd forgotten about it. Now, also, as we understand this, I want you to hold this, this truth in your mind. What Hezekiah was doing here, remember, is, is trying to establish the kingdom of God. He's trying to establish the nation. 
And as he's thinking about the nation, what he's saying is, we need to hold the Passover. Now that is an incredible emphasis on something that we would often marginalize and say, hang on, it's important but not central or primary or the most important. Let me ask you a question. If someone asked you, what's the best way to keep America strong? How do you defend the USA against her enemies? What's the thing to do to make sure that USA will be a power for years and years and years? Now, as I ask this, I'm sure there's going to be a broad range of different answers in, in your mind. It could be the military, it could be politics, it could be reconciliation, it could be social justice. It could be a whole range of different things. But do you see that if, if Hezekiah was being asked that, his answer contextualized to us today would be, well, we need to gather together in worship and we need to celebrate the Lord's Supper. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. And it's a remarkable thing because it's not your first point. It's not the first go-to issue when you're thinking about a nation, when you're thinking about a people. Hezekiah, he invites everyone to come down to Jerusalem to have the Passover together. And, and so, so you ask yourself, why would Hezekiah do such a weird thing? Why would he place such an emphasis on this obscure ceremony? And the reason is in that final, final section of verse 5. It's because Hezekiah was concerned to do things in the way that God had prescribed. He was concerned to do what God commanded him through the word of God. Now, each one of you, as you gather here this Sunday, you wouldn't be here unless you have some level of commitment to God, Christ Jesus, and the Bible. You wouldn't be here because, I mean, I mean think about it. It's a Sunday morning, and honestly, it's a bit cold. Like, like I came, I kept, I, I, I packed for an L.A. summer, and, and I, I'm just... It's, this, is, this is like, it's, it's winter back in Sydney, and it's like, I, feel, I think Sydney's warmer than this at the moment, right? But it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to commit to being here on a Sunday after a long week of work or study or whatever you're doing. And so the fact that you're seated here is a testament to your commitment to God and His Word but it's also very easy for us to talk about being committed to God. It's very easy for us to talk about being committed to the Bible. And at the same time, for those words to not be an exhaustive, all-inclusive submission to the whole of God's Word, but we pick and choose. We pick and choose that which from God's Word makes sense to me. But the things that I can't quite reconcile the things that seem to go a bit against the way society is going and my ideas of how, how life ought to be. Those things we're tempted to reject. I mean, think about your non-Christian friends. The ones you hang around with at work or in social engagements throughout the bulk of your week. Now, I don't know if you've had deep, serious talks about the gospel with them. But, you know, for most of your non-believing friends, 
they'll actually believe some of the stuff that the Bible teaches. They'll, they will agree with you that loving each other is a good thing. They will agree with you that caring for the poor is a good thing. They will accept that compassion for others is a good thing. They'll agree that stealing is not right. And they'll agree that murder is wrong. And they believe those things because it's obvious. But those things that the Bible also says alongside each one of those that they can't quite reconcile, they can't quite work out, they won't agree. The virgin birth, that Jesus is fully God and fully man, that he died a real and genuine physical death and was bodily resurrected on the third day. They say, well, maybe that's just superstition. Maybe that's just, you know, that, that's an archaic people. That's an arca archaic story from a people who didn't have the modern day science. They'll reject those things. But for us as God's people, for you as God's child, your commitment to the Word of God is a non-negotiable issue. And we must be committed to living out God's Word. We have to back away from living compromised, sitting on the fence, feeding two camps kinds of, kind of lives. The life that's about church on a Sunday, where we turn up with our angelic faces and we greet each other and God bless you. And then we go out into the world in the week and we, leave, we live compromised and compromised lives. We have to be ready to do whatever is right before God, no matter what, if that is what he demands of us, if that is what he calls us to in his word, regardless of what the world thinks, regardless of where culture is going. And this is something that's really, really hard to do. It's not an easy, simple thing. But nonetheless, nonetheless, it's, I'm convinced these are issues that we need to hold to, just as Hezekiah did. Now, we look at this and we think Hezekiah is the king. Hezekiah is in the Bible. Of course he'll do these things, but not, not really. I mean, he would have had fears in his heart of rejection, of ridicule, people not believing him. And yet he says that submission to God's word, commitment to God's word, is absolutely essential. Committed commitment to doing what the Bible say, says is something that he has a non-negotiable attitude to. You know, when we do this, it means that sometimes we will be the odd one out. But when we do this, in the world in which we live, we'll sometimes look like that weird alien. I mean, think about the flashpoint issues of society at the moment. Maybe a bit past now, but views of marriage, views of sexuality, views of gender and fluidity, views of identity politics and all those things. Now, there's, there's a way that the culture in which we live is going with those ideas. And the great temptation for us is to just flow along with that. When God's word, and God's word does, 
speak in opposition to some of these things, our commitment must be to what God's word says, not where society or culture is going. Sometimes we have to be the odd one out. This passage tells us that the Passover had not been celebrated in generations. But he ordered this to be done, Hezekiah, because God commanded it. And he knew that he had to be committed to to the Bible that much. The same thing goes for us. As individuals, we have to be responsible for our own authentic Christian lives before the Lord. We have to be committed to God's word. We have to be committed to living out the truth. So that's the first commitment. The second commitment that we see here in Hezekiah in this passage is he's committed to living in community. So Hezekiah wasn't just committed to following the truth, no matter matter where it took him, but he was also committed to living with his community. He was committed to living the truth with others. Living the truth with church. Now, for us, then, what that means is that we live that truth. We have a commitment to the community that God has placed you in, which is, in the immediate instance, Crossway Community Church. This is the place that God has placed you in his providential care of you so that you would commit to each other. Now, what I want us to see is that Hezekiah was not just committed to the Bible, the Word of God, but he was committed to the group, the people of God. He wasn't just committed to doing what was right. He was committed to doing what was right with others. It's there in verse 1. So Hezekiah, he sent to all Israel and Judah, and he wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh, that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. If the only thing that Hezekiah was committed to was personally obeying God, then after reading the Bible, he would have just gone by himself and, had the, and celebrated the Passover on his own. But that's not what Hezekiah does. He invites everyone to come to Passover with him, from Ephraim and Manasseh. So it's not just Judah, but it's all of Israel. And keep in mind, we're talking the enemy nation that's to the north. He sends invites to them saying, let's join together worship of God. He did that knowing that they'd probably just laugh at him. Israel in the north and Judah in the south, they're enemies. And yet Hezekiah still invited the people over to the uh, people of the north down to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem. In other words, he was committed to the whole of God's people. Now, do you know what that looks like then? Talking with Pastor Steve yesterday, we, we caught up over dinner. We had K barbecue, and like, I had a lot of garlic. And um, I woke up in the middle of the night really, really thirsty. And, and, yeah, but that's, that's another story altogether. But um, we're talking about, because as pastors, the, the last three years have been such a weird life, such a weird world with the pandemic and, and, and the coronavirus. With the coronavirus, one of the things that I've noticed across the board in a lot of churches is that people, church members, and this isn't done necessarily with a a vicious or vindictive or rejecting heart, 
But because of the nature of the pan pan pandemic that's reduced our circle of social inclusion, that's often in, an, in a default way carried back into the church, even as churches come together. And so after three years of the pandemic, a lot of us, a lot of us, find ourselves drawing away from others and only engaging with those that, you know, we're friends with, you know, we have a social, social background with, family members. But in this context, you see, what this is calling us to is not just have your own social groups, your cliques within a church community, Hezekiah's actions and his commitment to the people of God extends for us in that our care and commitment ought to go across even those, even to those that we maybe haven't dealt with or engaged with in a while, if ever. See, the fact that God did not make us to live with just the people that we like is something that we need to understand. And we need to live that out in the fellowship of believers that we have. That's something that Hezekiah knew. That's why, even at the cost of ridicule, he invites Israel, an enemy nation, to come across the border and worship God together. That's a second commitment that we see in Hezekiah, commitment to living in community. And this is a tension then. See, one of the most unfortunate things is that we often think that it has to be one or the other. You know, commitment to the word of God or commitment to community. But Hezekiah does not make that choice. He holds the two. He cherishes the both. He believed in both. It's because both are essential. And I'm convinced that God's purpose for us as Christians in the body of Christ only be carried out if we hold the two together. See, these two commitments, commitment to God's truth and commitment to community, is not just about you being better before God. It's not just about you doing that which is right, which is a good enough reason. But our commitment to God's word, in the community of believers that God has placed us in, is actually one of the ways that God works to witness to the world. See, these aren't just kingdom commitments for us as individuals. These are kingdom commitments for kingdom witness. See, this idea of committing to truth and committing to, to, to community is something that Jesus addresses on his final night with his disciples. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying with his, his disciples before his crucifixion. And in verse 17, what Jesus says, what Jesus prays is, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. In other words, God, these people of mine, keep them and grow them in your truth. Keep them and grow them in the word of God. Grow their commitment to biblical truth. That is what Jesus prays. In other words, the commitment to the truth issue. But then in that same prayer in verse 21, Jesus goes on and he asks that they may all be one. And the pattern that Jesus then points to is 
himself in perfect eternal union with the Father. He says, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Jesus there, he's saying, God, hold them so that they would be committed to community. Committed to community. And the reason that Jesus prays this, he then gives out at the end of verse 21. It's so that the world may believe that God sent Jesus. As true believers, as we live committed lives to God's truth, we need to do it in community. And when we do that right, we're showing a countercultural presence. We're showing a countercultural reality that is so different to the way the world lives that can, in a way that we may not understand, because it seems so weak, seems so marginal, seems so nothing through, compared to the brilliance of what there's out there in the world. And yet God uses that to be a witness to the world. A witness to the world. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, and I said, as I said at the start, these aren't new revolutionary things. They're not things that you've never heard of. They, they're things that we hear and understand and know about. But they bear repetition because they're things that we often neglect, even as we know them. Commit to God's word. Commit to living in truth. But commit to living that truth, not, not just by yourself. Commit to being in community such that you're living God's truth out as a community of God's believers. A culture, a family, a community that is so radically different to the world. Have those kingdom commitments. And as you do so, not only will it be a joy and a blessing in your fellowship with each other, but the wonder and the amazing thing is that God will use that as a kingdom witness into this world so that through it he will bring more people, his very people, whom he has chosen before the creation of the world to join that very body, which is the body of Christ. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you've given to us this passage, a reminder of things that we know. But Lord, as we know these things, we do confess that they're things that we sometimes neglect. And so create in us, through your spirit, an ever-deepening, ever-strengthened commitment to truth, an ever-strengthening, an ever-deepening ever commitment to living it out in community, such that we would have these kingdom commitments lived out together for the sake of witnessing for your gospel cause. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.